Welcome in to Bears Weekly, a Chicago Bears Network production. Download the Chicago Bears official app. Brought to you by Verizon to follow the team on the go. Bears Weekly is brought to you by Advocate Healthcare, Bet Rivers, CDW, Connie's Pizza, and Miller Lite. Here are your hosts, Jeff Joliak, a.k.a. the Mayor of Bearsville, and his sidekick, Tom the Surfmaster Thayer. Gotta love Danny Sutterman and the crew uh, with the nicknames. Love it. The Mayor of Bearsville and uh, what they call you, Tom? Uh, the Surf Master. The Surf Master. I love it. You have to be it. over 60 years old to be qualified as a master in any sport, so I'll take it. We need a nickname for Jim Miller. He'll be joining us shortly as well. But uh, good evening, everybody. One more week to go before mandatory minicamp. The offseason program is winding down fast. And this is Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago, the Bears Radio Network. Joining me as always, my broadcast partner, Tom Thayer, the Super Bowl Bear. We're here until 7 o'clock tonight. Our producers, Dan Brilli, Jordan Dredup, thanks to executive producer of the Bears Radio Network, Eric Ostrowski, Charlie Bevins, spinning the dials back of the ESPN studios. And, you know, I mentioned uh, Super Bowl Bear Tom Thayer and a lot of your former teammates golfing this week with some old guys. Uh, not necessarily Super Bowl Bears, a few, but uh, did you get the invite to Jay Hilgenberg's course out there in Kenosha with uh, Waddle? And uh, Jim Harbaugh and Neil Anderson, and I, I forgot who else. Caposo, Caposo, uh, Jim Morrissey. I did get I did get an invite, but uh, for the most part, I have retired from uh, the the game <laughs> I poorly played it. So, um, but I, you know what I I I enjoyed uh, being out of practice with you yesterday. I, I did see Sylvie. I saw Danny Zetterman, but you know we have a chance to kind of get away from it all and have a little bit of football conversation. And it was kind of funny because I keep thinking about it, that that catch by DJ Moore in the end zone. And you called – but you called it a trust throw. Yeah. And I like that because um, it, it was a tight window. It was a great catch. It was great confidence by Justin, you know, inside the red zone like that. And, you know, that's the the – the standards of improvement that you have to see, but I keep I keep thinking about that word trust throw, trust throw, because the more trust he gains in this group of receivers, that I think that he has to have confidence within himself that he can make those throws. And, and he made a bunch of those uh, with DJ Moore and has throughout this all offseason program. We bring in the quarterback himself. Should we say because we got nicknames now? Apparently, Jim, uh, how about Miller Mania. We, we go with Miller Mania. A, that's just a quick response. I don't even know if that works for you. If you got a better one, bring it on. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess Miller Magic. Mill the Thrill? I don't know. Just Mill the Thrill. So, wait, wait, <laughs> wait. wait. Hold on. At some point in your football playing life, grade school, high, did somebody coin that phrase for you? No, never. <laughs> no, I'm not buying it. You've had a few nicknames, I'm no, sure. But anyway, no. well, I'd hey, call, I would call him Miller Lite. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this, though. When we talk about trust throws and just you, – you can visualize what that looks like, right, without being at practice this week. I mean, what does that mean and how important is it? Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, like you said, when you drop back and you're, just, you're confident – uh, that the receivers doing their job, you know, say, you know, basic just out routes, you know, where you're just anticipating it and you're trusting that the receiver is going to cross the DB's face and, you know, you just, you, you kind of just let it rip. You know, you're trusting 
you know, that the receiver is going to do their end of the bargain and you're going to deliver your end of the bargain. A lot of that does come through through trust. There's through reps, talking things through, knowing the coverages, just competent in what your assignment is, and, and that's when you just trust it to let that ball rip and get it out of your hand. The, the beauty of that particular throw we're talking about, and uh, we had a bird's-eye view of it, it, was in the red zone. So it was a throw into the end zone in tight coverage, and I'll tell you, D.J. Moore, having seen him play with Carolina and now witnessing practice after practice, he has some magic hands, Jim. Just very yeah. soft. The ball is in his area. He just plucks that ball and gets upfield. Uh, I think he's going to be – and I said this when they, tra- they traded for him, Tom and Jim. This is going to be a guy that's going to be a chain mover. He gets – he accumulates first downs, which leads to touchdowns. And I know he hasn't had a 10-touchdown year yet in his career, but he's had a whole lot of different quarterbacks. I think these two are going to connect, and I think they're going to they're gonna put some points on the board uh, because this is a guy, it appears, again, no pads, so you always got to qualify that. This is the, the short season, uh, yeah, but, but, you know, he trusts him, Jim. Yeah, you you can say, I mean, if, if it wasn't for the quarterback situation, he would have been over five, or over 1,000 yards every year. You know, this past year they had what four different guys going at right. quarterback. Well, he's had three. Girl. Yeah, he's had yeah. three. So you know, PJ Walker and Baker, and then obviously Sam Darnold was down there as well. And I think he only finished with that whatever eight hundred and eighty-eight yards. But realistically, his five-year career, he would add over a thousand every year if he just had competent quarterback uh, play down there. And we mentioned the explosive plays. So, yeah, I think he's got the ability, to, even this year, to get to double-digit touchdowns. I mean, I've been saying it. If their run you know, game is on par with what it was last year, their play-action game alone, they won't be last in the NFL throwing the football. They just they will not with this group that, that's now lining up this year, in my opinion. You know, one thing when we talk about OTAs, and yeah, I'm, I listen, man, I'm the biggest disliker of no pad football <laughs> that there possibly is out there. But if we're going to go sit out there and watch the OTAs, you know, it's not about contact. It's more about hands and feet. And when you look at DJ Moore and that catch that he was able to judge the velocity of that football when it came out of Justin's hands, and then he put his hands in place, how is he going to be able to stop, control, and catch the football? It's just like the other positions that you like to see, paying close attention to the offensive line. Okay, if you go to OTAs, try never to watch their upper body. Watch their feet and how they're connected to their responsibility and assignment. Because when you get do get on full pads and you have contact that's involved, you'll see a lot more of the little fundamentals of the game that you have to be good at in order to be an NFL player. But this is kind of judgment day. Do they have the hands of a receiver? Do they have a feet, the feet as a, of an offense and defensive lineman or any other position? And you brought up the way that Edmonds flows as a linebacker, and we were talking about like when we initially saw Erlacher, and now we have a chance to have a, an eyes-on approach to Edmonds and how his feet flow in the linebacker position. So that's you know one thing I do like about OTAs. Again, not a not a big fan of no pad football, but we do get a chance to see a lot of really important uh, values that go into these guys earning an opportunity. No question. And Jim, you know you've been doing this a long time, and you were part of that uh, process as well. But you know it kills me sometimes when you read the national reports of OTA practices, because again, for those who don't realize it, the media's eyes on it only three times during the OTAs. It's once a week, but a lot of 
a lot of things are almost like put out there as final analysis on somebody or, oh, my gosh, this, this rookie quarterback has struggled in OTAs. It, no, it's, it's one OTA that you had your eyes on. Don't formulate a whole idea what a player is or isn't. That's like a coach saying, uh, you know, I stood on the table for a guy. I wanted him in the draft. And then, you know, two weeks into offseason program, I can't coach that guy. No, that's not the case. I will tell you, those guys are, are the, again, the pace and the intensity, despite no pads and no contact, is intense over there. They, they are running all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I am with Tom, you know, watching the feet, watching the accuracy of a quarterback. The ball shouldn't be on the ground much. No. You know, it really shouldn't, especially in seven-on-seven. Right. Seven. And that would be the case for a regular season also. But the ball's not on the ground that much. Uh, you're making chancy throws that maybe you wouldn't normally do. You should. you got to experiment. Let it, let it rip. And, and Justin's letting it rip. On the flip side, defensively, Jim, um, there's something about this Tyreek Stevenson, man. This Miami kid, second-round pick. He, he's walking and talking, dare I say, like a veteran corner out there. Uh, his communication skills, just listening to him on the practice field, and his persona and his swagger, it, it's, it, he's really caught my attention, Jim. Well, because he, he, he looks the part, right? Uh, you know, he's, uh, that's a big physical uh, corner who they essentially selected out of, out of Miami. And so I think that's encouraging. Because, uh, like you said, uh, you know, some players pick things up uh, a lot quicker that, than other players. Like, who was I reading about today? Will Levis was one of those players that supposedly struggled today. And, oh, the sky is falling. He's a rookie quarterback. Of course he's going to go through his struggles. And some of these rookies will have good days, and then, of course, they'll have bad days. But you're trying to start to stack them together as you install all these things that they need to be able to, to execute, and it'll go at a different pace for, for every single player. But as for Tariq Stevenson, that was a productive player in college. He's got all the measurables you're looking for, so I think it's encouraging that you're saying he looks the part. But as, as Tom said, the, the big test when the pads come on and things start coming a lot faster you know, in terms of the speed and the pops and the hits and all those type of things that, that he'll have to be a whole new ball game that'll see if he looks the, the part then. And then it'll be the preseason games, and we'll see if he looks the part then. You know, and he's got to keep on stacking them together and, and earning it when it's all said and done. You know, that kind of my third point about going throughout OTAs, as I the defensive back group, I really enjoy the enthusiastic, the enthusiasm in which they practice with and that when they do make a big play, they, you know, kind of surround and support each other. And I think um, that's why I messaged you today, Jeff, about how many guys in this defensive back group don't have any NFL starts. Because when we look back at the defensive backfield a year ago to where it's at now, it's one of the most competitive experience positions that the bears have. And it was super encouraging because when you go back and you look at the practice and you look at the way, you know, how fired up these guys are and how they're communicating and how they're, you know, really approaching their job to make it as difficult as possible for a guy like Justin. Yeah, we're going to hear from John Hoke on some of those guys, the young guys. Uh, the answer to Tom's question, how many guys did not yet have an NFL snap on the list of DBs? The answer is five, and they're all rookies, undrafted or drafted players. Everybody else on that defensive back list right. has NFL snaps here or somewhere else. Coming up next, we're going to be joined an interview I did with uh, 
defensive end Dominique Robinson this week up at Hallisaw. That's coming up next year on Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. Welcome back, everybody, to Bears Weekly here on ESPN 1000 here in Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. Jeff Joniak alongside defensive end, edge rusher, uh, guy who could kick inside as well, second year, and ready to have some fun. Dominique Robinson, our guest here tonight, and now we'll talk to Jim Miller and Tom Thayer in a moment. Thanks for taking some time. How you feeling? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing great. Tell me how it's going. It's going good. It's going good. Had a great off season. Um, I kind of took a little time off, but I was here working out a lot. You know, trying to improve in some areas, get stronger. So, where did you want to get stronger? Where, where uh, did they want you to get stronger? Well, I want. I knew I needed to get stronger in my upper body. My legs were solid, but I needed to get stronger in my upper body um, to be able to set the edge a little better. So. I think I've done that. Is that something you felt over the course of your rookie season? Like these boys, these boys can yeah, play. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, the transition kind of caught me in a in a weird area where I was I was strong, but I wasn't as strong. And then I come here, and it's you know you got to ramp it up just a little more. So uh, it was it was definitely a learning experience last year, but um, I think I, I can I'm gonna be great this year. You know, honestly, I, I ask guys this all the time when they come in off. A, you know, hey, listen, Trump. Tremaine Edmonds was 19 when he entered the league. He's only 25 years old, okay? But can you feel when you come in as a, a young player the strength of a guy on the opposite side of you? Can you feel their strength? It's, it's yeah, man it's, strength. It's different. It's a little different. Um, you can definitely feel it. It's a little different from college. You know, you can kind of muscle your way around, but with poor technique in the league, um, you know, you can get exposed. Technique so. gets you beat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, the toolbox. I always talk about the toolbox. Yeah. Uh, pass rushers, defensive linemen, stopping the run, too. Have you developed a toolbox? I have. I, have, uh, I took some time to work out with some guys this, this offseason. Um, I got with BT Jordan, um, before, actually right before he accepted that job out, in, um, at, out of Seattle. And he's a pass rush specialist, so I got with him. Um, I was supposed to get with Rob Mathis. I think I'm gonna try to get with him after OTAs going into uh, you know camp and now in our off time. So I, I've, I've been working with different guys, just trying to improve, watching tape and stuff like that. So yeah, a lot of guys do hire you know some professionals that uh, focus in on that, and that a lot of it is just marrying footwork with hands, right? Yeah. yeah so unlocking your hands, we hear that all the time. Um, and a guy who hasn't played the position very long, I'm sure there's still right. a lot in those hands to be unlocked. Yeah. You know what? What have you, what have you learned? The subtleties of of that one instant of time where you can make a move that's gonna I make you a, dangerous. I learned a lot, um, especially with angles. Uh, last year, my angle, my pass rush angle, just wasn't the greatest, and what, and that's why I was getting caught in a lot of positions that I was getting caught in. So I fixed that, and it's starting. It's, it's starting to uh, it's starting to look good. So Watching myself on tape with the angle and and the different moves and stuff like that that I've learned this off season, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Well, you folks can't see this, but he's smiling. So yeah. he's got that he's got that look in his eyes. Yeah. So you know, you're the first one. You got to look in the mirror and say, "Okay, I'm better. Right. I, I, I'm I'm figuring this out a little bit." Uh, after instant success, too, week one, you're thinking, "Okay, I had a sack and a half against the 49ers in that slop," right. and then. Uh, if you're not getting them, it, does it weigh on you? Right. Does yeah. it? Does it? It did. did it? it did. And um, 
you know, I, I think I was blessed to be able to get those sacks in week one to show that I can do this, but I got lucky. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I think that was one of those beginner luck games. And as the season went on and I kept fighting and fighting, trying to get some more, it just wasn't happening. So uh, I, that was a big learning experience. And I, all that tape last year, I've watched, I've learned from it. I sat down with my coaches and, you know, worked on the things that they told me and I'm improving from that. So I, I you know, it happens. It's not going to happen again, though. I like the I like the resolve. Yeah. Tell, why won't? It? Oh, I it just can't. I can't have another season like that. I mean, that was that was year one. You know, that's 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 expected. Yeah. You know, I I, I expected more from myself, but um, now that I'm here, it's definitely I don't expect to do that again. Do Do you give yourself a little break? about that because let's be honest you don't have a ton of experience at right. it right uh a, a tiny bit but not much like when i so my, my original before getting drafted my original goals were to make the 53 and to make plays on defense or st whatever mm-hmm. spot they put me in when i got here and i knew you know the season came around and i knew that i was going to be in the rotation those goals started to change a little bit you know i started to put a number on the sacks and Stuff like that, and when I didn't reach those goals, you know, it kind of, it kind of hurt a little bit. But I'm still learning the game too, and I'm still learning that, you know, it's not just me out there. It's of four guys rushing as one. So even though I'm not getting a sack, my efforts can help somebody else get a sack. Their efforts efforts can help me get a sack, and it just plays all into one. So um, after I looked at that, and I was like, all right, you know, it is what it is. You know, and throughout the season, even though I, you know. I, it ended with one and a half. I had opportunities where I was in on things, you know, that I, you know, didn't get the numbers for, but I was in on a, a couple of stuff throughout the season. And even though the sacks weren't there, I was productive as of, you know, pressures and, and pressures and stuff like that. So I know sacks is the, the, the main goal and that's what I'm here for. Uh, there were, there was other stuff that went on too. How many missed sacks did they tell you you had? Or did you think after watching back? When I when I watched it back, I didn't have any open opportunities to where it was just like, man, you missed that one. <laughs> uh, there were more of you should have used this move, you know, or you should have did this or that. I was my alignment assignment key technique. I'm usually solid on doing the right things and being in the right places, so it wasn't no mental errors or anything like that. I think it was just yeah. you know my my luck. Was it hard? Was it hard? It was, was it hard on you mentally because you always were in a great mood. Yeah, you're always oh, in a I'm great mood. A mood. You're always great mood. But was that season hard for you? Uh, not much. I mean, it, there were times where I got you know not in my head. I never get in my head, but there were times where I'm like, "What is going on?" You know, just trying to figure it out. Uh, you know, as as an athlete, you you try to figure it out. I and I was trying to figure it out on my own for a large mm. amount of the season, thinking, you know. I got this. I'm going to try to watch others and figure it out. And then those last three games, after the Eagles game, because I had a horrible game, uh, I just, I don't know, I was off my, I didn't understand. I, I knew what I was doing, but the way uh, Mulata was setting me, I literally couldn't understand what was going on. And it just looked bad on tape. I was second-guessing a lot. So I went and talked to the coaches. And those last three games, I was, I felt good. Like, I was getting off the ball. I was setting the edge. I was striking. Uh, so the Lions, Bills, and the Vikings, those were my 
three games where I was like, I'm finished strong. I'm, I'm finished strong. Yeah. And then it's carrying over now to where the angles of how to line up and, and stuff like that, they help with setting the edge. They help with getting to the quarterback and all that stuff. So it's, it's, it's solid. Hey, Jordan Maialata, no, no slouch there either. Uh, yeah. Six nine and a yeah, big he's body. A big, he's a big dude. Yeah, it takes you a couple well. zip codes yeah. to get around that guy, right? Uh, our guest is Dominique Robinson. A few more minutes with the Bears defensive end. Second-year player, and there's a lot of second-year players. So I'm watching these guys out at OTAs in the past couple weeks and watching some tape and, and just seeing that these young guys, your draft class and the undrafted guys, they wet their beak. Like, they got reps. You yeah. guys got reps, led the league by a long shot. They want playing time. Yeah. Like, the competition, do you suspect, once training camp hits and the pads come on, it's going to be pretty, pretty special, in my opinion. It is. you agree? I do. I do. Um, yeah, my class, I noticed early on that a lot of us was playing. And, you know, we had Ricky Academy with Erica and stuff. And I told him, like, yo, you got to look at what's going on right now. We got the highest amount of rookies in the league. And for a, from a lot of us, we were all playing or doing something either on SC offense or I'm like you gotta like we gotta pick it up, you know. So I th- I think it's definitely gonna be a lot of competition. And the rookies they brought in, they're they're ready to go too. So yeah, yeah and they're likely to bring in some more free agents, yeah, uh, you know, before sure. before it happens. So it'll it'll really stir the pot a little bit. Everybody's talking about edge rushers, pass rush, yeah, not not enough. Is that? Is that insulting no, to hear? Are you, you and Travis, for example, they don't talk about you guys yet. Yeah. You know, not enough anyway. It's all good. I, I haven't earned it yet. Yeah. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to come a time where, uh, you know, people, people will be talking. So um, that doesn't bother me at all. You know, this, this league is, you know, always moving. Yeah. You know, trying to find the next best guy. So I understand what it is. And half the time, some of the stuff that comes out, it isn't true anyway, so I don't even I don't I don't bother it. You know, we got D Walk, we got Rasheem, Mead, Gip, and a couple other guys. So a couple rookies. So I mean, if if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'm still here. Um, I'm I'm working. About that. the about the new young guys inside the characters. I've already interviewed uh, Zach Pickens. Yeah. Great, per- always laughing, yeah. always sense of humor. Uh, Jervon Dexter, a tremendous. A linear athlete guys. playing. Yeah, tell me what you think about so, those guys. I was, I was, you know, I was glad to meet those guys. Um, I love that there wasn't an ego. You know, there right. weren't. You know, they two, three picks, two and three. You know, round two, three. So when you get those kind of guys, sometimes you think, ah, uh, you know, they might come in with an ego, thinking that they this and that, and you know, they didn't do that. They came in respectful. Um, you know, they they're doing what they got to do to be the best for us and for themselves. So um, they're, they're really good guys. Well, you know, I think that's an important point to bring up because – and Cody Whitehair talks about it all the time. You know, when, when they start looking at free – you know, does he fit our right. culture? And it's been established. It's been worked hard to do. Some really great players from the past have moved on for, for the idea that now we're, we're going to be building something and now getting ready to compete – do you guys recognize that too as young players that that matters? Yeah, it does. Comes in here. It definitely does and um I know there was a guy in the in the draft where I was like he doesn't fit. I knew and I I, I knew I was telling my wife I talked to my wife I'm like you know he doesn't fit. I don't, you know. So these guys fit. They pick guys that fit our culture. They work hard. They're here every day. They're on time. 
all the things that Coach Flus preaches, we're all trying to accomplish. I see 85 on your white T-shirt. I don't know what it means, but 85 is the last time the Bears won a Super Bowl. Is there any connection? There is no connection. <laughs> but for this purpose, it is. <laughs> I, I like that because it's, it's, it's been way too long, obviously. Nice. But do you, do you, And this will wrap us up here with Dominique Robinson. Do, do you feel, like Cody mentioned today, uh, there is a different feeling in the building. You know, Last year, everybody was not sure, especially veterans, who was going to be here, who was not going to be here. Were they just going to, you know, rip it down to the bare wire basically and start over. And in some sense that did happen. Uh, but now what's been happening and you, you, you being here a lot, there've been a lot of guys who've been here throughout, not just talking yeah. about OTAs, but from, you know, the time that the weight room was opened up and you guys could start hitting it. Do, do you feel good about everybody's mindset about what we're trying to build? Here? Yeah, I do. I do. And last year, you know, being a rookie, I kind of, I kept to myself. I, I, I'm, I call myself a people watcher. I just I watch and I gauge others um, on how, how they move and stuff like that. Their, you know, personality. So the personalities are way different for sure. It's a uh, a lot different. A lot of guys want to work. They want to be here, and you know they they want to grind. Even though you know our practices are a little a little harder than other places, people are still here grinding, putting in work. The the guys who you know that probably couldn't shouldn't be here if they didn't want to are here for the most part so it's i, th- I think i think it's great yeah it, it, it serves a bigger purpose right correct well we appreciate it uh, we're gonna look forward to seeing it uh, it's always big second year makes a big difference and then the next one becomes even bigger right. so keep grinding and uh good luck this season Dominique Robinson, our guest here on Bears Weekly. Back with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller next on Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. They want VIP access to every Bears home game, uh, exclusive seating, sideline credentials, and more now available. Get the ultimate VIP fan package this season. Visiting Chicago Bears. VIP.com. Jeff, Tom, Jim Miller. Just heard Dominique Robinson want to touch on a couple of things before we listen in to defensive coordinator Alan Williams about the state of affairs on defense. I'm going to start with Tom and then go to Jim. He, he talked a lot about angles and learning angles. We've got to remember this was an offensive player. He's a quarterback, tight end, played some defense in his final year at Miami, Ohio. But, you know, what, what is he referring to on the angles of approach to a quarterback that he has yet to master that he's working out of the saw on tape that he didn't do a year ago? And you as an offensive lineman bracing for what a defensive lineman is coming at you. They're trying to get on your edges, right? Well, you know, first of all, there's a lot of angles that you have to pay attention to. You have to pay attention to the initial set of whatever offensive lineman you're going to pass rush against. Is he trying to overset you really wide to get you to commit to the inside? Is he trying to give you a soft outside shoulder that allows you to run upfield? Because then you have to understand what is the quarterback most likely to do? What angle is he going to take? Is he going to take a sharp outside angle and try to challenge your outside pass rush ability? Or is he going to stay inside and try to force you to take an inside angle and try to go over the strongest part of your offensive lineman? There's so many subtleties to the details of being a great defensive end, especially in this modern-day offense, with three-step drops, with shotguns, with the RPOs. And then he talks about playing against an offensive line 
like that of the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is a super experienced group of guys. They've been together for a long time. And then just like our offensive line in 85, we would never create vulnerabilities. If if Keith Van Horn was going to set far to the outside, I knew that I could help Jay to the inside and still protect Keith's inside. So it's all those angles of approach that you have to understand. But it's all about if he has a superior get-off, then he's going to be in control of the angle. So when he talks about his own development, he talks about the explosiveness, the burst off the line of scrimmage, understanding how to set the edge. So, you know, you, you could sit here and talk about 20 to 30 different angles per game that when he masters those, he'll be a better defensive lineman. Jim, what I love, he was raw about his um, analysis about what he was last year and watching the tape. I mean, he sounds like a guy who cares, and that's the first step of being great, like acknowledging even to yourself and publicly, hey, these are the things I did not do well. This is my disappointment. This is what I got to work on. And then feed into this uh, notion that, you know, players make a big jump from year one to year two. Uh, can we expect that from a guy like Dominique Robinson? Are we sleeping on guys like Dominique Robinson and Travis Gibson, who's entering a very, very important year three for the Bears on the edge? Yeah, I think he should expect to have a, a big jump. Like you said, he's new to the position. Uh, he's growing. He's learning. He's listening to his coaches. He went in there to, hey, what can I do to, to get better? And then you've got to start to to apply him. He's got the Rolodex now. He'll be facing some of the same guys that he faced last year. So when he goes back and watches the tape, and I'm sure he's got to be honest in that assessment, hey, next time that happens, I'm going to do this, where you now start to have answers, you know, to make sure that the the negative things you did don't happen again. And you, you start to have answers where you can now – you know, basically spin off of it where you can come up with a, a better reaction or maybe a better situation. You play it a lot better the next time because you've been through those. It's been a learning experience, and that's how you continue to grow and, and get better as a player. I mean, I, I don't know any player who didn't want to be great who wasn't hard on themselves. You know, it, it used to bother me. I'm sure it bothered Tom. If I, you know, having a, a bad play in a game, I, like I, sometimes I wouldn't sleep at night. I'd just be, that play would just keep on going in my head over and over and over again. And I'd just be telling myself, all right, next time that happens, I'm going to do this or that to make sure that that doesn't happen. And again, I don't think it, if you're not challenging yourself like that, then you're never going to get uh, better as a player. So I think it's a good thing that he cares. I think it's an honest assessment and, Hopefully he's put the work in to, to where he can make that big jump in year two. All right, Alan Williams, the Bears defensive coordinator, uh, at the podium this week at the media uh, availability. Uh, we'll talk about the defensive end's improvement overall at this point. I do, I do. And I, I would say yes, and I'd say what makes me think that. Yeah, just uh, being out there and seeing how they're working, how they're rushing the passer. Uh, we keep a chart of production, and their production is up different from last year, specific guys, um, the understanding that they have of the defense. Uh, so all those things are better than they were last year. So that leads me to believe that uh, we'll be better. Now, the caveat is is that we don't have pads on right now, and so you'll never know until you know. But uh, the arrow the is still, for me, it's pointing uh, up and sky high. All right. With that being said, uh, it was a big topic, and I've done many uh, events already this off season with fans, season ticket holders, and it used to be, hey, how's Justin Fields going to be now? Is are we going to get another edge rusher? Because they've completed 
completely dismissed what's been added in free agency. Demarcus Walker, Rasheem Green, the two guys that uh, are trying to elevate. We, we just touched on Tom. Uh, and now it's about, okay, who are we bringing in? And I'm going to ask you guys, I asked you the same question last week. I, I, I spent more time thinking about it. A lot of these guys are 30, 33, 34 years old out there. Maybe you could squeeze a year out of them, and maybe they, maybe they can be here for a couple years. I listened to an interview uh, on SiriusXM earlier today, Jim, on uh, – uh, the gentleman uh, from Indianapolis last year on Yannick Ngakwe, he's looking for a multi-year deal. He's tired of moving around. He's been at a lot of places, so maybe he's holding out for a long-term deal, which yeah. for a veteran of his age, you get two years, you're lucky. Three, you're really fortunate. How about a guy like Frank Clark? He's still only 29 years of age. Would this player be of interest to either of you two? Jim, you start. Uh, yeah, I don't think Frank Clark would be a bad guy. I think, well, what do you know? He's one of the top guys in postseason play. Right. And uh, I think, you know, it's, he, he still is at that age uh, where, where he can be an, an impactful player. And, you know, I just think for him that ultimately he's probably going to be ended up returning uh, to mm-hmm. Kansas City. I, I don't think the number that he's looking for uh, is out there. And I would say the same thing about Yannick Ngakwe. Both those guys can still play. Uh, I think, you know, cause, because the Bears do want to go young. I think probably the the better avenue would be to to go out and work a trade with with the team. Yeah, I don't know if anybody ever asked Ryan Poles as much as I think we all love uh, DJ Moore. I mean, if if you think about it, Brian oh. Burns would have been a pretty good get from Carolina, right? As a, as an edge rusher, I mean, to me, he's been a, a good fit. And I'm sure probably Ryan Poles asked about it, and but as Polesley Carolina said that no way Brian Burns is is off the table. Uh, when other teams were making calls last year toward towards the end of the year. But new regime, all those type of things, maybe you thought that would have been a possibility uh, there because guys like Brian Burns, I think, around the league, in that age group, those are guys maybe you'd want to target uh, via a trade. But, Tom, who's giving those guys up? Nobody. You know, that's why yeah. Clark would be my only consideration of the guys that are out there and the guys that you mentioned because he's still – you know, in that, you know, 20-something, 29, you said, and he is a pass rusher. He understands what it takes to be successful in this style of defense. He's been around a successful locker room in the last few years, and he knows how to bring that message aboard. Um, But I don't want to spend money on hope you still have something in the tank. I want to spend it on a bona fide uh, a guy that's going to come in here and be an asset to your football team in every way, shape, or form, and then contribute sacks and pass pressure. So if you have to sit here and continuous develop the talent that you have here and, and get your interior of your defensive line to play a better brand of football so they can help your exterior edge rushers, then maybe that's the route you have to go. But, um, you know, I'm, I just don't want to throw money at the hopes that someone has to panic because – in our, in our background as broadcasters, Jeff, we have seen that happen to the Bears, and sometimes it didn't work out for the best. Yeah, many different examples, yes. uh, certainly. Uh, before we go to break, one more with Alan Williams, because we've, we've mentioned this. The, the secondary competition is going to be intense. Kyler Gordon right now a topic, playing that inside nickel. Uh, he loves playing outside corner, but right now dedicating his eye on that inside position, the analysis from Alan Williams. 
Yeah, um, I would say right now we're he's in at the nickel and we're doing a lot of that. And uh, but we've we've moved him all around still with the idea that he's going to play nickel. But um, you can never have enough corners in the NFL, so we're not going to just limit him to that. Uh, we're going to put him outside a little bit to keep his feet uh, keep his feet wet there, and so that if he needs to go outside, it's not like gosh, I hadn't had any reps for an extended period of time. So um, nickel, and then if need be, he'll he'll go outside and um, go outside and function function well. And nickels are hard to find. We'll pick up that part of the conversation with Jim and Tom after this break. This is Bears Weekly. Thanks for joining us tonight here on AM 1000 ESPN Radio. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly is brought to you by CDW. People to get it, Jeff, Tom, and Jim with you. And uh, Jalen Johnson appearing on ESPN National this morning with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max uh, says that his absence will end uh, the OTA. He'll be back next week. So says he had a lot of things working off the field. I do know this from doing stories with him. He's big on being a dad. He's got a daughter that is young, and he spends a lot of time with her when he can in the offseason in Fresno. And business fundraisers, uh, a kid uh, that died, his best friend, just in 21, gunned down. Uh, he honors him in a project called Kevy's Vision, and he's working on that in the offseason, too. So he'll be back. He's been in contact with John Hoke quite a bit. Uh, Jim, uh, so we, we often focus on guys that are not there that, as opposed to guys that are there. And, and the headline for the Bears this offseason is attendance has been outstanding. I yeah. mean, virtually everybody is there. Now, Nate Davis hasn't. To my knowledge, uh, hasn't been in the OTA sessions. Doesn't mean he hasn't been there in, in other regards, in the weight room or whatever. But those are the two that have drawn drawn most of the conversation. But every team has it, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, for the most part, most teams really have a good level of you know of attendance in in the OTAs. Granted, it's voluntary. I think we all we all get that. I think if you stay in communication uh, with the coach. But uh, again, I think every player knows that. It, it's not where it needs to be right now. So, again, nobody is solidified other than, say, maybe Tremaine Edmonds and the, the free agents who signed for, for big money. They know they're going to be there. They know what the role is. They know they're, they're going to be on the team. But it's still unsettled uh, for a lot of guys. Uh, that are out there. So the guys are hungry. They're in there working. Uh, it's good that Jalen, he'll be in there next week. I actually just talked to Jalen last week. He was doing the, the golf outing for the Kevies that you were just uh, oh, talking okay. about. So he does have a lot of stuff uh, going on off season. I think most coaches now understand it about the voluntary, hey, we're going to coach the guys that are here. That's the coach speak uh, that is out there. Of course, they want every player. Uh, to be there, you want to build that continuity. Uh, you know the you know all the stuff you need as from a team level uh, to build all that moving forward. And, and they've got a lot of guys that that, that are doing it. And next week, uh, Jalen will be a part of it. So I think it's a good thing that the Bears are have all those guys working. You know, for all these guys that can participate in the meetings, the academic side of football, I think that's the most important part to me. Because back in the day when we didn't have OTAs, you counted out everybody to have. Uh, you know, that work ethic that's, that they display during the offseason to be ready for the regular season. So that's kind of a little bit more the program of Jalen Johnson this offseason. But with Nate Davis, him becoming familiar with the offense is going to allow him to hit the ground running. Now, if he was not participating in meetings and then you went right to the first day of full pad training camp 
or even mandatory minicamp, and you are a half a step behind, you can make the entire offense look dysfunctional. Defense, it's a little bit different of a role. You're isolated. You're out there in a corner, and Jalen understands what his assignments are. A new guy like Nate, he's got to become familiar with his assignments because he's going to be asked to help Darnell Wright move along as quickly as possible. And if they're questioning each other as they approach the line of scrimmage, right there, the offense is behind by a half a count or three quarters of a count. And I said that can ruin the whole function. Tom, what's that uh, Hawaiian term you always say when things are tough? Kapu? Oh, Kapu, danger zone. <laughs> danger. Yeah, Kapu. Kapu, danger. Uh, John Hoke, back with the Bears, secondary coach, cornerbacks, and the passing game coordinator. Uh, I brought up with him uh, in an interview with the assistants this week just the development so far of a Tyreek Stevenson and other topics. He's out there talking as if they, yep. you, you look at him for a second. Oh, wait, that, that, that's a rookie out there kind of yep. making sure things are getting done. Is he, he knows ahead of football. the curve a little bit? Nah, he knows football. He's very instinctive. He, he, get, he understands it. He's played at two really good programs. He had three really good defensive coordinators in college. Um, so, you know, you can tell he has a very good uh, grasp of defensive football and concepts. So when you have three defensive coordinators in your time, you often think of that as a negative. But in this case, for a corner, is that a positive? He took it as a positive, and he talks it like as a positive. And he talks about how this has made it's it's helped him with uh, understanding this system and these concepts. So he's done that. And uh, in terms of Terrell, similar situation. Yeah, he, he's doing good. He's smart. And he's got size, you know, and he understands what you're trying to teach him. And once you teach it to him, he very rarely makes a mistake. Uh, he's just got, they all have to do it, you know, with consistency and with detail. All right, we're going to hear from Kyler soon today. Uh, is he focusing on just one spot? More so, is, yes. And is that a good thing for him right it's now? It's a great thing because he's getting reps at one spot. And he'll be a really, really good. He's, he's, he's got a really good skill set for that spot. And, and that's really a great plus for us. He's physical, smart, has instincts, so it's exciting from that standpoint. You know, people. Well, knowing John Hokey, he wants everybody to be physical on, on those edges and the inside of corner. So, and you're seeing that at practice time. But you know, Jeff, one thing about Kyler Gordon, if he masters that inside corner position, just think of the versatility it gives the entire defense in the defensive backfield. Because here's a guy that can come up and support the run. Here's a guy that can blitz off the edge. Here's a guy that can take the, one of the most important coverage roles in, in, that requires a, using a majority of the field and lock it down. So I think the more Kyler Gordon can do, the more versatility it, it gives your defense overall in how you can attack and where you can blitz from. And the other corner, he was referring to Terrell, Terrell Smith out of the University of Minnesota. Hey, hey Jim, uh, in in terms of, this is a defensive-heavy show, clearly. We, we, we talk about Justin all the time. We touched on it at the top of the show. Um, where, where do you see this defense in terms of the inside guys, and Tom can weigh in, too, these young inside guys? And just say, for example, they, they are not able to bring in a, a free agent defensive end for whatever reason. Maybe it's too costly or it just, it just doesn't work out. Can they, can they get that pass rush? to a level of consistency, in your opinion, or will that require the coaches to be a little more 
well, you know, Alan Williams calling a few more blitzes here and there? Or what, what's your thought on that? Yeah, because I think if it's not to the level of what it is, you have to do something. You know, you, so you got to manufacture it. You know, it's last year, what did they do? They ran some safety blitzes with Ja'Quan Ju- Ju- Brisker. Now maybe this year it's more linebackers with the the, the speed of Edmonds and and obviously Edwards. Maybe maybe that fa- factors in because at some point it, if it's not getting done up front with the with the front four and what do you what do we know that you need from from a dominant defense? You're probably your two edge guys or your end of the line guys got to be double digit sack guys, right? Philadelphia, they they led the league in sacks, all right. And and you look at San Francisco, they've got double digit guys. Okay, so if you can't get guys on the outside, whether it's Walker or whoever, Robinson, they can't get to that level of maybe they're only getting five or four, then you got to generate it somewhere else. And it's it's got to be with the, the other guys. And maybe blitzing more would be a possibility. Maybe it's twists, maybe it's stunts. I, I don't know. The coaches will have to figure that out. Or you go out and you get a guy. Here, uh, here uh, I should have brought up the name earlier. I, I mentioned Brian Burns. You know, I, I don't know. Is Chase Chase Young available over there in Washington? They didn't give him the fifth-year option. You know, he hasn't played well after his, his knee injury. He was hesitant to get back on the field. Where are they at? They've got new ownership coming in there. That team hasn't arrived uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Maybe they'd move on from Chase Young, right? That's a former first-round draft pick who everybody thought after his rookie year was going to be the man until he tore his ACL. Where is he at? So guys like that. Or that you got to be looking around uh, for as well. But, you know, I, I don't think that you can approach the system and say this defensive success is reliant is if we get a marquee pass rusher by the time the season starts. Then I just think that you're going to create a dysfunctional group that maybe doesn't believe in themselves. So you do have to formulate a plan that you can apply pressure from different ways, shapes, or form. And that a lot of times that can come from your inside pass rushers when they develop. Uh, They're counting on that for sure. One more segment to go. We'll quickly hit some topics league-wide. This is Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. All right, we got less than a minute. Jim Miller, topics. Who's winning the NBA Finals, the Denver Nuggets or Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat? Who do you got? I'll go the Heat. Tom? Denver Nuggets. Okay. Tom Brady's certain he's not playing again. Jim, true or false? Uh, True. (laughs) Tom? True. (laughs) Uh, Should Josh McDaniels have anxiety over the Raiders quarterback situation, Tom, with Jimmy Garoppolo apparently coming off a surgery? Yes. Yes. Jim? Yes. Matthew Slater, I love what he has to say every day of his football life. He ripped the new kickoff rule. Is he right on the money? Yes. Tom? 100%. 100%. All right, that'll do it for us. Thank you for everything, guys. For Tom Thayer, Jim Miller, Eric Ostrowski, our Bears Radio Network executive producer, AM1000, Charlie Bevins, Dan Brody, and Jordan Treadup. Thank you to Dominique Robinson. Coming up next, game one of the NBA Finals tonight, it's the Heat and Denver. Good night, everybody.